Sport with Michael Abramson. Something brand new for you tonight. We're going to explore the world of eSports, short for electronic sports, also called gaming. And a lady who knows everything there is to know about this particular activity or sport. We'll be finding out which it is. An eSports shoutcaster, journalist and host. It's a very, very good evening to Samantha Wright. Samantha, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I need to ask you first First of all, uh, is is esports uh, or electronic sports or gaming, however the correct terminology is phrased, is it actually classified as a sport or is it uh, an, an activity that has sporting elements to it? So I'd argue that gaming as a whole is more of an activity. Esports is the competitive side of gaming and I'd argue it's a sport. Uh, you have either individual players or teams, they compete against one another in high stakes competitions, either for money or prizes. Right. And it's actually, there is a lot more to it than I think what we think. I know when you think someone playing games, it's, you're sitting on your couch, drinking your energy drink, eating yes. your chips. I've literally, I've traveled around the world. We're talking guys that come in, they play. Some of these games can go anything from like five to six hours in length. It's really competitive. You have to be super focused. So when you meet them, they travel with nutritionists. They travel with personal trainers. They have mental coaches because to be that focused and concentrated, because obviously there's a lot of concentration to be quicker than everyone else in the server. It takes a lot of like physical training, which I know sounds ridiculous. But Mm -hmm. when you see it at that top level, you realize, there is one that is 100% a sport. However, if you're playing games with your friends on your couch, you are not yet quite yet an esports athlete. Right. Obviously, it picked up, became very, very popular in the East, in China, countries like South Korea, where it's, it really picked up initially and then has gained worldwide momentum. What, what has sparked the interest in, in, in esports and how's it sort of developed this, the, uh, the, this culture of acceptance where everybody wants to get involved? think that there is a level of it's easier to relate to if you're if you're a gamer and you're a fan of games mm-hmm. esports it feels like it's possible right because uh, you're sitting on your couch and you're playing so you really believe it's far more accessible than say if you play football everyone knows if you want to be the best footballer in the world chances are you're probably not going to be the best footballer um, right. whereas with esports i think a lot of people it, it feels far more accessible even though the skill gap is just as extreme as professional football or, or rugby or anything like that and I also just think it was like it is a, a far more interactive sport to watch. You, you obviously watch it. It's live streamed on Twitch and YouTube, so it's free. You can get access to it for free. You can immediately be in the chat commenting and getting a response. So I do think it's that, that accessibility that, that makes esports as popular as it is. And then also, it's just something different. Like, it's really fun to watch. And I know that sounds absurd, but there is something fun about watching. Uh, as much as people think it's weird to watch other people play games, Watching people play something like Street Fighter at the highest level is insane because if you've ever played Street Fighter, you really understand like how hard it is to play at the speed that those guys are playing at. So tell us about your job. Obviously, you're known as a shoutcaster, journalist. Do, do you have to actually provide live commentary on what is happening or discuss some of the tactics and try to dip into the players' minds and try and figure out what, what they're trying to employ and what strategies they're using? That's exactly what it is. I always like to joke, any sport, anyone knows, sports commentators are either retired professional athletes or people who are just never good enough to play at the top <laughs> level. I like to think I'm the same. I was never, I was never quite good enough to play uh, the, the games competitively at the top level, but I love them. So I commentate, that's what I do. Um, and it is it's exactly the same as any sports commentator, providing insights, analysis. I speak to the players, I give insights as to where their heads are at, and then obviously commentate on the gameplay as well. 
which is pretty sick. I mean, I've traveled the world getting to do this, and, and it's, it's not a bad job watching people play games you love and then talking about it. So, so what is the preparation involved other than talking to the players? I mean, obviously you have to know all the games pretty well and be able to understand what the, what the end result is or what the aims are and how to go about it. And almost like a chess match, just watching it develop. And, and as you say, games can last hours and hours and hours. So how do you build up the stamina to be able to do commentary on that? I think for me, like from a preparation point of view, a lot of people think I just pitch up and talk. I don't. I spend mm. most of my free time. I'm reading news sites. I'm watching people play scrims. I'm watching them play online, trying to analyze, trying to find out new methods for the games because obviously video games change all the time. And then also understanding the players, where their heads are, speaking to them as much as possible. So a lot of work goes into that, following their stories, their success rates, their stats. Uh, so I do all of that for weeks building up to an event. And then the event itself, we work like, I mean, an average event day is normally between 8 to 12 hours. So wow. that's live. You're, you're live. You get like small breaks in between, which is, is pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'm never going to complain because I love my job. And I think anyone who, who's a fan of gaming would, would not complain if that was their gig. So, so it is really fun. But there are long days. And I think for people watching at home, it's obviously great because they can have a full day of, of entertainment. But for everyone behind the scenes, it's, right. it can get pretty rough. But again, I think it's like any sport. Well, I know just commentating one game of football with all the preparation we have to do and the intense concentration, sometimes can you really feel exhausted at the end of the day and that's 90 minutes. So I can just imagine what, what, what this is like. Do you find that it's, it's more popular among the young generation or is it really a, a sport for anybody? I think it is a sport for anyone, but it is obviously popular. I wouldn't say popular amongst the young generation. Certain games have an older audience. So there's a game called Counter-Strike, which lots of people in their late 30s, early 40s were playing back in the day on their computers. So that's got a bit of an older fan base. But then your, your more popular games like FIFA and Fortnite, especially here in South Africa, that is a much younger generation that's playing it and it's really popular amongst them. So I think it's quite cool because it does bridge the gap as well. Like I've met a lot of, funny enough, a lot of parents who their kids were playing, so they started watching esports, and now their kids have moved on to like something else, right? And they're still watching because they've now got really invested in like a Fortnite player or a FIFA player. And I see them all the time, and it's, it's fascinating to me because they now enjoy it as like a form of entertainment. Wow. So I do think it, it can breach all gaps, but if we're realistic, it is going to be a younger generation who actually. I do think people who watch esports need to play games to really get a feel for it. So it's normally gamers, which tend to be younger. And how, how difficult is it to learn a new game and to develop tactics and develop it to such an extent where you become extremely proficient? I mean, I think if you ask any player, they'll tell you, even the ones that are, are maybe not full-time who are still at school, they've got to put in massive amounts of hours. Um, they're spending a huge amount of time playing those games. So that being the case, then, where do they have, I mean, do, do parents allow their, their kids generally to spend all the time that they need to to be able to master this? And what happens to the schoolwork and the other activities and the, the, the social aspects of, of young lives? So it's really interesting because I spoke a lot to, there's a, a top South African FIFA player, and he's actually about to go to like the FIFA E-World Cup. His name's Julio Bisbianchi, and I speak to him a lot. And when he was in matric in university, he would, I think he would dedicate like two to three hours a night playing FIFA. Um, and then on weekends, two to three hours. But he was really strict about like also having like time on the weekends to actually go outside and play real sports. He was really focused on his schoolwork. I think he passed matric university exemption. He's now a qualified accountant. I do think someone who's competitive by nature and, and is involved in competitive games has mm-hmm. a level of focus that, that allows them to balance 
things that they need and know where to put their priorities. Um, I also do think that there's a lot of kids that probably convince their parents they can make millions of rands playing games and <laughs> yes. do really bad in schoolwork. Um, but it is a, it's a matter of balance, right? It's figuring out the, the timelines that you need. I know a lot of guys, though, when they finish, especially overseas, this is now a full-time career, so they get bought by a team. And then their entire job involves they are they have to play eight hours a day. They, they train they have a coaching session, so they will wake up, they have an hour where they sit with their coach to chat strategies, and they're expected to clock in X amount of hours. So it's actually quite professional when you start looking at it from a competitive point of view. Well, okay, that's a, there's a lot to digest. I want to tap into the financial aspect of what the rewards could be in terms of making a career of that. We've just got to go and pay the rent, and we'll continue our discussion with Samantha Wright, esports shoutcaster, journalist, and host, telling us all about this brand new act. Well, brand new for us, certainly on the, on the sports show, but certainly not brand new in terms of what is out there for people across the world to have an opportunity to maybe hone their skills in something very, very different. We'll continue our chat after this. We are on the money on Top Sport with Michael Abramson. Chatting to Samantha Wright about esports and uh, electronic sports, of course, in to give it its full title. Samantha, we like to, on a Tuesday night, talk about financial aspects of various sporting activities that we cover. And I would presume for the top gamers, for the top uh, esports professionals, if I can call them like that, um, across the world, there must be massive opportunities to make huge amounts of money. Also opportunities for people like yourself to to provide commentary and to, so opportunities all around to to make this a, a viable career, I suppose. 100%. And I think obviously, like again, with any sports, if you're playing at the top level, depending on the game you play, so this is really important because some games are more popular than others, mm -hmm. but at the top, top level, if you're playing internationally, you're competing for prize pools, a million dollars, $1.5 million. Wow. Dota's TR is, that's a crowdfunded uh, prize pool. So you can, it's like $16, $17 million. Um, and a lot of the top players in Counter-Strike, Fortnite, FIFA, they get paid salaries, they sign to organizations, they have endorsement deals. So you can make really good money, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this. Obviously, when you're in smaller regions like South Africa, mm -hmm. very different story. We don't necessarily have the infrastructure um, to, to spend that sort of money, but there are still players here that get paid a salary that make really good money from competing and, and do get to, to lead the country to, to go to events overseas because that is one thing. A lot of these global events, if you qualify to compete in them, they will pay to fly you there. They will put wow. you up in the hotel. They will feed you. So there's, there's a really nice mix of, it's, it's the same as sports, but there's also an entertainment element, which I think adds a little bit of funding to it, much like boxing or, or UFC, where they will actually fly you out and put you on the stage. Hmm. And then there's all the jobs behind the scenes. Um, obviously, commentating is, is great. I, like I said, I've seen the world. I've been to almost every continent, um, and I'm flown there to work. That's my job. I go there. I, I actually arrived, Late last night from Poland, I'd been there for a week to, to work. Yes. Um, that's, I, and I think it was two weeks before that I was in Paris. So I get to fly all over the world. Lots of other commentators as well. We joke and say we, we basically have a circus life because they just move <laughs> us around right. to commentate. But there's also cameramen and there's player. One of the big things is player managers and referees. Referees, that's a really specialized task. You need to know the game. They will fly referees. Uh, around the world to, to referee because every single team needs some sort of referee standing with them to check that they're not cheating. So it really is like it's an opportunity that even if you're not necessarily good at the game, if, if there's a passion there and you can find a niche where you fit, 
it's a it's a fantastic life, but obviously, like anything where where you're a freelancer, it's a bit rough. Right. But I do think that there's huge opportunities from a financial point of view, uh, especially because for some reason the rest of the world loves hiring South Africans. I realise. Yes. yes. So, yeah. So there's there is that level as well of like they like South Africans, and and if they find that you're good, we've got a lot of international referees here, um, and sort of player admins. They they call them player administrators who get flown around. Um, they're just really good at their job. And not only do they get flown to different countries, they do a lot of this work online as well for online competitions. So there is opportunity and it does pay well. More importantly, it also pays in dollars or euros, which obviously right now is great, um, if I'm going to be completely frank. Um, but in terms of local, it is still quite difficult. There are a few, there are a few companies here that, that are paying full-time salaries to people and you can potentially make it your career. But we are still considerably further behind the rest of the world. So for, for South Africans then listening, there might be parents listening, youngsters listening, sounding, feeling like this might be an area where they might be good at. They might not be so good at active sports on a sports field, but they might be really, really skilled or be prepared to develop their skills in this area. How would they go about getting involved, finding out more information and just picking it up as a possible career opportunity going forward? So first off, they can, they can always chat to me. Um, it's AskTechGoldZA. I'm pretty much everywhere on social. Um, and I'm not working for the next three weeks. So okay. I'll probably answer your messages. Um, and I can help. And then there's also lots of places you can go. So the, there's a couple of, of online companies that run online tournaments in South Africa. One is called ACGL. It's AfricanGaming.co.za, I believe. Medalstate.com is another one where you can actually go register on their sites for free. And they do cash cups every night in different titles. So you can sign up. You can play, um, you can win money. And also what's great about that is when you play, you have a chance to see how you compare to everyone else because I think a lot of people think they're really good until they've played online against someone else. Right. Um, but also with those companies, those are the two companies where I mentioned that there's now companies that are actually paying salaries. They are offering jobs as well. So it's really great to, to go and follow them, to join their websites because you can see what's out there. And ultimately, the more people involved, I think the, the better and the bigger it can get in South Africa. I personally would love to see esports develop a little bit more here. Um, and I, I do think we have the potential. And then for those those people that are really interested to, to see what, what it looks like and what a massive production looks like, there is actually a, the first ever time we're going to have an international tournament in South Africa. Um, is a big fighting games tournament called Kumite, which is coming to Pretoria at the beginning of July. Um, and you can actually buy tickets for that. The best street fighter players in the world are all coming to South Africa to compete. And that will be the first time we have a global level tournament here. And that for me is really important because I think a lot of the international businesses will see that one, it's actually really cheap to run events here and two, that we have the best crowds and they should do more of them. Sounds very, very exciting. There's so many more questions I want to ask you about the competitive aspect of things. So I think what we'll do is we'll invite you back in a couple of weeks' time to, to chat more about this fascinating sport. Esports, it's called. Uh, Samantha Wright, thanks so much for your time. And by the way, John Herrico is in to present the next show. Says I must say hello to you. And <laughs> he looks forward to chatting to you as well at some point in the future again. Thank you so much for informing our public about something very, very different that might just open some doors for our listeners tonight. Thank you so much. You've got to come and commentate some FIFA with me next. That'll, that'll be a very interesting experience. I've commentated on 28 different sporting codes in my life, so I'm willing to broaden the horizons a little bit more. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll chat to you again soon. Thank you.